This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, folks, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here, right here, folks, on pain.tv slash gold. All right, I want to show you one more clip here of this Dr. James Scott Morgan um, pre, I mean, this is post, post uh, all of his uh, human cyborg operations. And so I want you to take a look at this because you're going to see what he turned himself into, folks. So the last video, it was great. It gave you sort of an understanding of what he did. And now I just want to show you what he ended up becoming. Because um, frankly, it's it's a bit weird and you'd have to ask yourself, is, is this what you'd want to become? And then eventually, if the technologists and the transhumanists succeed, you know, is this part of what they want to become? Uh, rolling around with tubes inside you, being able to talk to people through a CGI head of yourself. I mean, this is real stuff, folks. So I think it's important to actually see it in action. All right, here we go. Dr. Pete, Peter Scott Morgan was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. He was told that he had just two years left to live. And-, and I'm sorry, if you're looking it up, it's Peter Scott Morgan. I think I may have said James Scott Morgan. So let's continue here. This is a show called This Morning. That was four years ago. Well, an artificial intelligence expert, Peter has pushed the boundaries of technology to live as the world's first human cyborg, part machine, part human. Well, Peter joins us now alongside his husband, Francis. And good morning to both of you. Morning, Lovely to have you. you here with us. Um- okay, so the gentleman with him is his husband. Okay, let's continue. Francis, let's, um, let's start. And happy birthday, little. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Much appreciated. Um, Francis, it, it, this, that moment when you got the diagnosis for the, for the both of you, I mean, it must have been a hell of a shock. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anybody who gets a diagnosis like that, you feel like you're hit by a truck. You know, you, you really are quite stunned for quite some time. And um, uh, yeah, I've never been quite so shocked, I have to say. It was uh, uh, pretty horrible. Okay, so this is the husband speaking, and uh, Peter will start speaking through his through his um, cyborg extension shortly. But I want to play this for you because I think it's important. I mean, I have to show all sides of the argument in some cases. Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, Dustin's opinion is the right opinion. So I want to show you just the humanizing story behind this. Uh, so let's continue to listen to his husband here. But we soon got to uh, grips with our new reality uh, and decided to 
move things forward as, as quickly as can. The problem is with something like that, you can't stop it. You can't uh, pause it. And there's nothing you can actually do about it. And we've always sort of made things right for each other. And I think that was the thing that was so horrible for me because I just couldn't make it right for him. Okay, so right now, for those of you in the audio-only audience, folks, which I do appreciate you, but if you want to watch the video stuff, hop on over to pain.tv slash gold. But anyway, Peter is sitting there, and he looks similar to many of you are familiar with maybe what Christopher Reeve's Superman looked like uh, towards the end, or maybe uh, Dr. Stephen Hawking uh, with sort of the pads on either side of his head. His eyes look very big, uh, like wide open, almost like his eyelids are not there. And then he's very emaciated, and he has a tube uh, running into his neck like a breathing tube you can actually hear him breathing there that's not me actually and so he's sitting there next to the husband um so let's let's continue here I, again i i just want you to see this and understand the type of person that would want to turn themselves into a cyborg in order to cheat death and the thing about peter was his extraordinary mind and the the abilities that he has in the world that he works in is that he wasn't going to give up he wasn't going to give up easily. Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's not in his DNA to give up easily. And if somebody says you can't do something, then we immediately <laughs> think, because uh, you say I can't do it, doesn't mean to say I can't do it. So I wonder if they uh, would splice some of his DNA, his uh, DNA that says, you know, I can do anything, and then use that and splice it into a super soldier who maybe says, I have limitations. Yeah, because that's always where this stuff is going. It'd be interesting to actually go into this gentleman and find out exactly what he was working on before this happened, which we will eventually do when we review the full documentary. But let's continue here. Uh, so, uh, no, he wasn't going to give up without a fight. So we decided we'd uh, give that motor neuron disease a good run for its money. Which you really have. Yeah. Um, it, so this is fascinating. So Peter decides then that he's going to become a cyborg. Um, so <laughs> could you explain, Francis, what, what that means? Okay. So then ask yourself, too, if you have access to the uh, Peter Nygaard stem cell type stuff, access to CRISPR, gene editing, uh, DNA splicing, you know, why did he go this direction? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there because now we're aware of several technologies that do exist for people with these debilitating diseases, right? We're aware of many of them. So it seems like if the CRISPR technology worked or the gene editing, similar to what we saw with the designer babies, could they not go in and just snip the bad part of the DNA and replace it with, as they would call it, good DNA? Uh, I don't know. But he went the direction of removing his organs before they started to fail and then replacing them with machines, removing his voice box, replacing it with a synthetic voice, and then building a CGI puppet of himself to talk to people. All right, let's continue. Yeah, I keep calling him my little robot. He says, I'm not a robot, I'm a cyborg. <laughs> uh, basically, it's, uh, well, it's, it's kind of part human, part machine. He will need machines in order to stay alive. And uh, we're working on an, a complicated AI system which will listen and learn 
and it will come up with uh, responses for Peter. So a lot of what Peter says in the future will be generated by an AI system. So uh, for instance, if you telephoned and said, you know, hello, Peter, um, how are you? What's the weather like today? That AI system would come up with a couple of choices for Peter to click on, which were tailor-made for you. Now, if I asked exactly the same question, uh, that AI system would come up with a couple of other responses tailor-made to me, and Peter would probably say, why are you asking me what the weather is? Put your head out the window and have a look. <laughs> okay. All right. So you just heard him explain the artificial intelligence system that will okay listen to the question that his husband asks him and then come up with a limited number of choices based on sort of let's say what peter would normally say and then peter can select those responses now this is where you get into the mind twin side of the technology right uh, where you're training the AI to actually respond in ways that you would normally respond. Now, that's very important because we did a whole series on mind-twinning technology out of the Artificial Intelligence Foundation, Lars Butler's company, partnered with uh, Keith Alexander, former head of the NSA. Okay, so now you're seeing this type of technology pull into now the healthcare world in the human cyborg, you know, format here, because they're going to take the deep fake video, the CGI head of this guy, Peter, and now be able to fill it with select answers that the artificial intelligence comes up with based on answers that Peter would probably give in real life that match his personality. And so while you're listening to this, just think about this, folks, as I pointed out to you before. I don't know how many people have the disease he has or how many people have diseases like MS that lead them into this path. Now, if I can get this gentleman on this show, the scientist, uh, former architect and engineer I told you about, who is against technology and sees it destroying humanity... That gentleman beat MS years ago using homeopathy. Yeah, he has sort of a, a limp and stuff, but he got over the major hump of MS utilizing homeopathy and acupuncture and such and believes he conquered it. Now, I know other people in my life that got an MS and within six, seven years, they were completely crippled, but they went down the pharmaceutical drug path. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't pulled the numbers. I don't know how many people have this, but let's say... At the end of the day, between all the surgeries and between, um, you know, all the technology, the development of the artificial intelligence, the machines that he's hooked up to, the CGI heads, let's just say if that stuff was already developed, right? Let's say it would cost $5 million being billed to your insurance, uh, maybe $3 million or $2 million out of pocket for something like this. And when it's fully developed, not the tens upon tens of millions that went into, let's say, during research and development to put this system together for Peter. Number one, are insurance companies going to want to pay for you? If you have a disease, they know you're going to die in a couple of years. To go get all the elective surgeries to have your organs and your voice box removed, 
so that you can then live in a chair and have to have a nurse, because if you don't have a husband like this, it's going to take care of you, to keep you alive, rolling around so that you can speak through your voice box, is the insurance company going to want to pay for that? Number one, is the average person going to have, you know, whatever it costs out of pocket if you have insurance or whatever it costs if you don't, a couple million dollars to get this kind of surgery to, let's say, gain an extra two years of, I guess if you call that life, I mean, rolling around in a wheelchair and talking through a computer. uh, We were supposed to believe that that's what Stephen Hawking was doing for many years. And so... I don't know. These are just questions I throw out there. You have to say, is the medical community spending billions of dollars to develop this technology to sell it to what would be out of 7.6 billion people, a handful of people, to roll around in a wheelchair as a human cyborg? I don't know. I don't think so. And that's why I say these people are the guinea pigs and they're being used to develop technologies that will be used for nefarious purposes, as Dr. Charles Morgan is willing to openly discuss. When we get back, folks, more on this, I need you to see Peter in action, utilizing his deepfake video, Mind Twin Artificial Intelligence projection of his real self. Folks, this is the merger of physical, biological, and digital. You're seeing it in action. This is what the transhumanists want. This is what they're moving towards. This gentleman is just a bridge to get there from me to the full transhumanist cyborg, of which the military are working on, and that's why all this stuff pulls together, folks. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you folks are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Come over and join us. Join the discussion. Jump in with a group of like-minded individuals. It's not an echo chamber over there either, folks. There are some people on pain.tv slash gold who hate my guts. They can't stand me. They love the content, but they hate me. So whatever, folks. It's not an echo chamber, and that's the way it should be. I don't want to be somewhere where everyone thinks exactly alike. What would be the fun of that, folks? We're not going to learn from each other if uh, we all agree. And I'm learning a lot from you. People are sending me stuff all the time that I work into this show. All right, let's continue with this. Uh, We're going back to Peter's husband. It's so clever, isn't it? It is so clever. And and in order for this, um, these machines to, to work, essentially, he had to undergo some groundbreaking operations. Um, well, yeah, a lot of uh, Peter soon found out that the, the thing with motor neuron disease is um, it's more of um, a mechanical uh, and, and uh, sort of plumbing issue, if you like, uh, because the motor neuron disease itself doesn't actually kill you. All of your internal organs, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, etc., bowels, all remain perfectly 
well. They all function perfectly. Uh, the thing that does kill you eventually is the fact that your muscles can't work your lungs. And so you don't have that opportunity for the gas exchange. Engineering problems. Engineering problems. As okay, that was uh, Peter's robotic voice uh, jumping in there for a moment. He says, and he's a bit of an engineer. Um, so you don't have that gas exchange in your lungs. Um, and so your oxygen level, of course, goes down and you pass away because of that. Uh, so Peter very soon realized that if you can solve some of these engineering problems and keep the lungs going, actually, you've got a near normal life expectancy ahead of you. I mean, albeit, of course, you get locked in. Yes, of course. I mean, it is, it's so clever because um, he saved his image in the form of a 3D avatar, um, uh, saved, uh, saved, saved the voice as well. I mean, all of these things, so clever. Unbelievable. Okay, okay, so I just got to point this out there, right? So they're on this show this morning. It kind of is like a Good Morning America type of show. And so you see the host. There's a gentleman and there's a woman there. And so they are like, oh, turning yourself into a 3D avatar is so clever. Removing all of your organs is so clever. You see, this is how they're humanizing it. No one ever says, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. A human cyborg? That's weird. Where are we going with this? How much did it cost? Who's behind this? What are they going to use this technology for in the future? No, it's, it's humanizing it through this gentleman, through Peter Scott Morgan, who clearly, uh, you know, it, it comes across, you know, if you have compassion and sympathy, you feel for this man as I do, but at the same time, you would also say this is pretty weird. But uh, no, that's not what they're saying. They're calling it clever. Just like Dr. Charles Morgan, when he talks about using the human mind to hack a rat and have it run around under your control is fun. Being able to create a disease that spreads around New York City designed to only kill one person is fun. Uh, being able to put a stem cell into someone's body that they can later control and activate through a sound wave is awesome. You see, this is how you normalize, you humanize, and you desensitize people uh, to this type of Frankenstein technology. All right, let's continue. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, Peter, we want to speak to you now. Um, and how important was it for you to find a way to communicate, I guess, with your personality and emotions? absolutely vital okay so now they have a split screen so you have peter sitting there in the wheelchair as i've said with the hose uh probably a breathing apparatus coming out of his neck sitting next to his husband and then you have this 3d cgi deep fake avatar video of him on the screen with a synthesized voice it's not his voice it's like a deep a deep fake audio of his voice. All right, let's continue. Cool. You may have noticed at the moment, my avatar can't smile. It turns out getting smiles right is really hard, especially mine. But the Peter 2.0 that never even grins just isn't me. I don't want that. Fortunately, as my muscles shut down, it now seems that like the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland, my smile will be the last thing to disappear. So we should get my avatar sorted just in time. But okay, so what he's talking about is he's sitting in the chair 
and the real Peter, the real life Peter, and he looks like he is smiling. And so what he's saying is that his avatar can't yet smile uh, appropriately. And you've seen that in some of the sort of uh, rudimentary versions of the Mind Twins where the smiles and stuff look like you know, a not-so-great video game or a really bad initial sort of early-stage CGI in movies. And so he's saying he smiles, but the Avatar isn't picking up the smile from him. It doesn't really smile. Uh, but he's saying that they're working that out. Frankly, after that, if you look at biological Peter, it'll be pretty boring. But that's not me either. My Peter 2.0 avatar, which according to the team at Pinewood Studios working on it, will eventually be indistinguishable from a real person, is as close to the real me as you'll ever see, part man, part machine, or human. And Okay, so let me pause this for a second, because if they were, I believe this video was from around 20, uh, 2020. Okay, so three years after he was diagnosed uh, and began the process of being turned into human cyborg. And so, remember I showed you a video uh, a while back, I think during the Lars Butler series on Artificial Intelligence Foundation, which was a company called Soul Machines. And those 3D avatars were pretty damn good. I mean, as far as... Uh, picking up sort of human emotion and facial expressions. So eventually, that's that's where they wanted to go with this version of Peter. All right, let me back this up for a second. We'll let this run through. Ever see part man, part machine, or human, and still very much alive. Wow, wow. that is just amazing. And you were given Incredible. just two years to live by the doctors. That was four years ago. But you've never stopped believing that technology was your way out. Okay, so this is 2021. Four years after he was diagnosed and told he had two years to live. All right, let's continue. For one very simple reason. All my early science education came from Doctor Who and Star Trek. Every week I learned that if you're smart enough and brave enough and have access to enough super cool technology, then whatever the odds, you can change everything. Okay, so let's pause that for a second. He's talking his avatar. Now, let me just explain this to you. Okay, I don't know this. I'm not accusing them of doing this. But I don't understand at this point how Peter would be speaking in real time. It appears that his hands do not work. Uh, remember, they were talking about how the muscle functions disappear uh, with this particular disease. And so the same way we would see sort of Stephen Hawking wheel out on the stage, uh, I was never fully sure if that was actually real, if he was thinking those thoughts with his mind. So in this particular case... I don't know. I don't think he's typing this. So this head speaking, not really answering the question other than the fact that it's a question that could have been pre-submitted, could be pre-programmed by the, the CGI company who's developing the avatar. 
And then it's just playing a pre-recorded answer to a question they knew was going to be asked. So it's just a, a general answer. It's probably the same one he would use at lectures and stuff. So I'd have to delve into that uh, a bit more. You know, or is he using one of those transcranial helmet devices to send signals uh, to what it wants him to say? You know, or is it just a dummy sitting there and then it's an avatar that's pre-programmed? That I'm not sure of. Uh, I would probably not even be able to prove that. But I'm just throwing it out there because I know some people are probably thinking that. So I figure I will address it. All right, let's continue. So how will what you're doing help others who are trapped in their bodies? Francis and I became so passionate about this that a year ago, we set up a charitable research body called the Scott Morgan Foundation to act as the focus for a hugely ambitious research program stretching across decades. And we've been unbelievably lucky in being able to attract some of the world's top brains to get involved. Our mission is to completely rewrite the future of disability and so you are really challenging what some people might think about your illness and, and determined to thrive. What's the, the best thing about these last four years for you? In short, as a transitioning cyborg, my overall quality of life is exceptional. Okay, so again, I don't know if he's responding in real time to those questions or this is uh, pre-programmed. It would be interesting if someone asked how he would do it, but when we review the full documentary, I'm sure that will be addressed. I have love, I have fun, I have hope, I have dreams, I have purpose. Oh, and did I mention, I'm still alive. I mean, really alive. Not just one of the living dead, not just surviving, thriving. So when you ask what is the best thing of the last four years, not being dead is right up there. As okay, so okay, so that's the message that you're getting out of this. Not being dead, you know, is what he considers to be the most important. All right. So my question for you, though, is with Ray Kurzweil, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, on this quest for immortality. All of these companies that, you know, Thiel and Musk and Kurzweil and Jeff Bezos and Jack Dorsey and these guys are developing, putting money into, you know, investing in the research and development being done to give them the ability to live forever, including the mind uploading all the way to Peter Thiel's company with the uh, young blood injections. You have to ask yourself this. I mean, is it, are these guys really trying to cheat death to the point of immortality? What is it that they're doing? And so with this gentleman uh, using his ability as a scientist and then his connections in that industry to convince people to run these surgeries on him, build the avatar uh, and such. You know, is it just that he's trying to cheat death? I mean, is that what he's trying to out-engineer? Because that is what all the transhumanists are doing. It's not about curing the disease he has. The disease he has or supposedly had is what supposedly pushed him into this quest for 
immortality through technology. But all the transhumanists are this, about engineering humanity, the human evolution of humans. Now, the question becomes, as he said, he is part man, uh, part machine, all human. Well, once they get to the point where they start genetically modifying DNA splicing, replacing organs with machine, putting on exoskeletons, this is what I say to you. They believe that the human body is inefficient. Humanity is inefficient. And so the ultimate goal is to replace all of these organs and everything that he did before they could fail on him or before his muscles could no longer control them, before that actually occurred. But once they start genetically modifying babies and doing DNA splicing to remove the possibility of any of that happening ahead of time, then at what point are we no longer human? So if your ultimate goal is to live, to live as what? To live as a machine? To live as a man connected to computers? To live as a man who speaks through an avatar? To the point in which there is no more biological body, that your mind lives in a cloud and you could beam it into a computer to talk through a 3G head like that, a 3D CGI head like that. So if the ultimate goal is to live forever, but you're no longer human, then what is living anyway? What is living as something that is not a human? And if it is not human, are you actually alive? At least alive in the sense in which he started his journey to live forever. Did he want to just function forever? Did he want his consciousness to function forever? Or did he want to live as a human forever? Because it gets to the point where they're engineering humanity out of existence using these transhumanist technocratic technologies. All right, think on that, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard, and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.